The Shamrock is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Ticket prices drop right before the game starts, and because GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, they're able to show you the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Like Notre Dame football, like Wilco, I'm in both camps. You can check Game Time for the best deals on tickets to concerts and games. The Game Time app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. Download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Welcome to the latest episode of The Shamrock. I'm Pete Sampson, joined by Matt Fortuna, who's on the award circuit in Charlotte, actually hanging out with our producer, John Hayes, uh, a day after Notre Dame's bid to the Camping World Bowl against Iowa State. And Matt, I think there are only two conclusions. You tell me which one is right. Either Notre Dame should join the ACC all-in or just turn down the bowl entirely. Your thoughts? Uh, I'll go with the third thought. Uh, I deserve a raise for making it here because I had to – well, I did have to travel by – air sea and land to get here however to walk from my hotel to john's uh studio here where i'm recording this dear podcast uh, i was walking it's about a 10 minute walk uh i have my headphones on i'm listening to music and i look up and i see something literally flying my way and i jump out of the way and i see a homeless man yelling who threw it and apologies in advance dear listeners because this is not a pretty story but uh, i have to share with you what i went through to get here it was a dead rat a homeless man threw a dead rat at me on the way here and there were two people next to him who i literally cannot tell they were laughing i couldn't tell if they were laughing at him or with me and i couldn't tell if they were homeless or not but this guy was literally down on the ground screaming and there was a dead rat by my foot i got out of the way i missed it but let me tell you i grew up in new york i live in chicago I'm more familiar with that species than I... I'm talking about rats, not homeless people. I'm more familiar with that species than I care to admit. I've never seen anything remotely close to that, and I'm still, like, uh, mentally scarred and thinking of alternate routes back to my hotel after this. So what was your question? Oh, yeah. So uh, a, much, a much lighter note, should Notre Dame turn down the Camping World Bowl and stay home, take its ball and, and stay in South Bend, or should they just join the ACC entirely because... That is, uh, those were the two Twitter responses that I got um, en masse after Notre Dame went to the Camping World Bowl. No and no. Um, look, it's a fun game. Iowa State is a team I think Notre Dame's never played before. It's an up-and-coming team. It's a team that, let's face it, someone's going to ask Matt Campbell, hey, are you ever going to coach Notre Dame? Or, and let's face it, someone will probably ask Brian Kelly, hey, what do you think of Matt Campbell as your successor? Because when they played Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, someone actually asked Brian Kelly, Fans wanted Urban Meyer for this job, but they got you instead. What, 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 uh, what do, you do you remember thinking? what he said? It was yeah. Oh. He said we're going to have an arm wrestling yeah. competition. And the winner gets my job. So <laughs> we get all of that spicy drama, that. Uh, and we get what I think is going to be a pretty good football game. I mean, look, the 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 independence is the independence um, in the college football playoff era. I, I, I look at it from Notre Dame standpoint of making the playoff like they did last year. Uh, is their conference title um, or the equivalent to it, it, it which is the case for, for most Blue Blood programs at this point in the playoff era. But if you look at the, the now six-year playoff era, um, 2015, Notre Dame was in it till the very last play of their regular season. Uh, 2017, they were in it until Miami in the last month of the season. 18, they made it. 16, they were awful. 14, they were not great. This year, they were good but not great. 
and yet because of the Georgia loss earlier this year and obviously the Michigan loss in October, uh, we knew their fate uh, the minute they got a, a, a red check mark next to them. And 14-16 uh, this year, um, all different seasons, all had their ups and downs. Well, 16 had only downs, but they all just had this kind of fate accompli that you knew this was just kind of a trudge toward the end to a second or third tier bowl game or no bowl game, and that was that. Whereas 15, 17, and 18, it was playoff or bust, and they were in it until almost the very end uh, each time. And I just think if we're going to go the whole Notre Dame should join a conference route and this and that, I mean, well, good luck if you join the ACC because Clemson's probably going to smoke you every year the way they've smoked everyone else in the ACC, and that's just going to be an even bigger letdown, even if it gets you an Orange Bowl appearance once every three years because I, I don't know. I mean, it's a fun game. It's it's South Florida. It's, you know, after the playoff. But, I mean, I don't think that's the end-all, be-all if you're Notre Dame. It just, you know, sucks they couldn't get there this year. Uh, I, I just look at it like I do most Blue Bloods. I mean, you're playing for a conference title, which will get you in the playoff. And if you're Notre Dame, you're playing to be in the playoff. And if you're not that um, in this playoff robust mentality throughout the country, it's very easy to just get um, forgotten about in the last month of the season. I would adjust that down slightly. I, I think if Notre Dame – got to the Orange Bowl or the Cotton Bowl, I would still view that as a really good season for Notre Dame, um, regardless of what happened last year when they actually made the playoff. Some of that would have required Notre Dame to have beaten Georgia or Michigan, though. So that's correct. That's ultimately would have, what would have made it a good season, less so the bowl destination and more like the reason that you got to that bowl. Um, right, so but think, e- even, even if they did win one of those games, I mean – they're probably Notre Dame fans would be watching that Big 12 title game rooting for Baylor, knowing that I mean at 11 and one versus 12 and one Baylor with a very light nine conference schedule, there's an outside shot at least that Notre Dame's going to the playoff. I, I don't yeah, think but they that, like made that's it. my point though. Like that's all you want if you're a Notre like not all you want, but if you have stakes going into conference championship weekend, if there's a chance you could make the playoff. To me, that's a good season for Notre Dame, whether right. you actually make it or not. Like you want to feel like you're involved. You want to feel like you're you have a seat at the table. That you're you're one of the programs being talked about on ESPN for two and a half hours when they break down two games on on Sunday. That you're one of the schools that gets brought up. Notre Dame hasn't been brought up by anyone since October 26th. Um, Correct. So it's I guess I just sort of look at if Notre Dame was going to if Notre Dame was 11 and one. And they're going to the Orange Bowl to play Virginia. People have been up in arms about the opponent, but I think overall, like the bowl itself, they would have been like, "Hey, good year." You know, right? I mean, give me Notre Dame at that point would be twenty three and two over two years. You you really should have almost nothing to complain about if you're a Notre Dame fan uh, in that scenario. Now down at ten and two. Against Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl, I get it. It's a it's a very unfulfilling end to. I think in some ways it sort of sums up the season, don't you think? Like this felt like if ten and two could ever feel left you feeling a little bit like ah oh, God, you know, it was like is there a there there in the season? This is sort of the way it would end it in Orlando on December twenty eighth at noon against Iowa State. Uh, yeah, I would agree. I mean, it, it's kind of a fitting conclusion to. What's been what seems like a very fast season, a very ho hum season. Um, we've talked before about the lack of star power, the lack of guys on the award circuit this time of the year, this week. Um, Iowa State is not 
it's not your brand name opponent, and yet I, I think from a football standpoint, this is a very good game against a very well-coached team that uh, fans are absolutely going to travel. I mean, Iowa State fans are crazy. I mean, we, we thought uh, us as media guys had a good time when we were in Florida for the Alabama game a few years ago. Uh, I don't think we'll hold a candle to the uh, the Ames faithful that will be making it down to Orlando uh, for, for the week of this game. Those guys, they know how to party. I'm surprised that they travel as well considering Ames is – just one of the most incredible towns in the United States based on the promotional video put out by Ames uh, roughly 10 to 15 years ago talking up their clean water. Hooray I need, for I need Ames. to look that up. I, I'm unfamiliar with that. Have you not seen this video? I just tweeted a link to it. You can watch. I'll, I'll talk for two minutes while you watch it, and then you can get back <laughs> to me about your thoughts on the whole whole matter. Um, I It does. It was interesting. To, one of the dynamics of this game that's interesting is – to hear Iowa State's athletic director talk about the ticket demand and he's not sure if they're going to get more than their 8,000 allotment, how they would go about doing that. Um, you know, the I think one of the local columnists that covers Iowa State, you know, this is sort of a chance of a lifetime. What an incredible opportunity this is. And, I mean, we, every year we see bowl games where one team just wants to be there more than the other one. This is going to be one of those games. Um, even if Notre Dame is completely locked in, uh, it's difficult for me to see. Like Notre Dame is, it is impossible for Notre Dame to match the level of enthusiasm for playing Iowa State for the first time as it is for Iowa State to match Notre Dame for the first time. Like that's that is a logical impossibility. Um, I'm so I'm curious to see how that manifests itself on December 28th in terms of the crowd. Uh, fan bases, ticket sales, um, you know, how focused or unfocused Notre Dame is versus the same thing for for Iowa State. Because um, certainly from a matchup perspective, Iowa State throws the ball and can't run it. That works out perfectly for Notre Dame's defense because they, they, they defend the pass incredibly well and are just okay against the run. So, it, you know, on paper, this is a game Notre Dame should win um, probably by a touchdown or more. But the enthusiasm gap here I think is going to be real and I, I'm very interested to see how that actually affects the uh, the outcome on December 28th. That's always the biggest question with non-New Year's Six Bowls, right, is is who's going to show up, who wants it more, who will not have stars sit out a- anymore, although I don't know if that's going to happen or if anything's going to happen. Uh, yeah, Brian Kelly like said that. that he's he has not heard anything. I know – Privately, Notre Dame doesn't expect somebody like Chase Claypool to sit this out. And, I, I mean, honestly, I don't think that – the only guys that would really come to mind, Cole Komet said he's coming back. So that would leave you with Chase Claypool and Khalid Kareem as sort of the guys who really have a lot of money to make at the NFL Combine. It certainly doesn't sound like that's going to happen. So I'll, I'll take Brian Kelly to his word at that. So Notre Dame Open is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. A lot of time between now and then. I'll be curious to see how it gets bet and in which direction. But, again, with bowl games like this, I mean, I, I, uh, I'd be lying to you if I say I haven't uh, taken the philosophy of just taking the money line of the underdog for every single game because that's absolutely a path to profitability uh, when, when all 40-something games are said and done. Uh, but I would say it's a little like Notre Dame this year in the sense of their best performances have come in losses. And I hate to like trivialize Notre Dame's season and frankly, recent seasons. Uh, I hate to reduce them to that nature, but that's always been the knock on them, right? They can't win the big one. Their best, you know, they almost won a Clemson. They almost won Stanford. They almost won a Georgia. Iowa State lost to Iowa by one, Baylor by two, Oklahoma by one. 
this is a team that went seven and five and is disappointed by it. And that, um, I mean, I think that says, well, that says one thing about the state of mind Matt Campbell has that program in because that would have been unheard of three years ago. Uh, but it says another about, uh, hey, here's one last opportunity for us to get a marquee win against a brand name like Notre Dame and to do it with what will undoubtedly be a lot of eyeballs watching us because we're, we're the appetizer to the college football playoff that day. So uh, I think that's – I mean, I don't know how you measure an edge in, in that department, but, I mean, that's definitely something. Yeah, I mean, you look at Iowa State's schedule, you have to factor in they beat Texas by two and Northern Iowa by three. So in addition to the close losses, they had some close wins. Um, yeah, I think Brock Purdy, their quarterback, is excellent. Um, I think their co- Matt Campbell, I think, is a really good football coach. Um, you know, Hecock, their defensive coordinator, was somebody that uh, Brian Kelly evaluated for the defense coordinator position here when Brian Van Gorder was fired and he ended up hiring Mike Elko. So there's some, uh, you know, some alternative history to this game too, about, you know, what would have happened if that's, if that's the route Notre Dame would have gone. So uh, certainly Iowa state probably has more respect from Notre Dame's coaches than it does from Notre Dame's fans. You know, I've talked to Notre Dame's coaches about Matt Campbell and just sort of like, all right, does the national perception of him actually line up with what's reality? And, I think by and large, they it does um, at least from the perception of Notre Dame's coaches. It and I think it says something that when Clemson lost, everybody that they lost on defense last year, where did they go to workshop defensive schemes and strategies? They went to Ames. Um, mm-hmm. They sat down with Matt Campbell's staff to understand, like, okay, here's here's how this works. Here's how this doesn't work. Um, you know, Clemson obviously has material that is a million miles away from Iowa state, but there's certainly, there seems to be a respect for what Iowa state is and how they structure what they do, um, on both sides of the ball. So it's, I would, I would take the, um, the, the, a check of approval from Brent Venables, uh, being a very, very significant factor in the respect that Iowa people, the respect people should have for Iowa state's defense. F- funny story about that, that you mentioned, uh, a couple of years ago at the AFCA uh, Coaches Convention, it was probably the first or second year uh, Clemson won this run and made the playoff, and Dabo was there, and they're sitting outside a conference room, and, and Matt Campbell comes up to him and says, you know, I just want to congratulate you on a great season. I admire what you guys do, this, that, and the other. And apparently, according to someone who was there who told me this, uh, a funny uh, tale of her drinks one night, Dabo says, thanks, very nice to meet you. Are, uh, are you a coach here? <laughs> Ouch. So uh, Matt Campbell and the Iowa State profile have come a long, long way. And I, I spent a little bit of time with that staff over the summer at a satellite camp, and I was talking to an assistant and, uh, you know, just, just how is this happening? You know, this isn't a program that's had any recent success. And, frankly, when they hired Matt Campbell, I thought that's a pretty good hire for them. But why is he going to go there? He could go probably to a number of places after what he did at Toledo. And the assistant said uh, – Basically, you know, we had the same reaction. Like, you're going where and you, you want us to come? Like, what? And uh, they all said the minute they got on campus, it, it went around that community. I mean, it, it sounds cliche and corny to say there was something different about this place and the people really get behind it. But, I mean, they would sell stadiums out when they were 3-9. and nine. I mean, there's just something crazy uh, about the passion of that fan base for basketball, for football, uh, despite the lack of recent success leading up to this hire. Uh 
those fans are crazy. I mean, they, they just are. And uh, it's been pretty interesting to see them get behind um, Matt Campbell. I mean, you know, even when whenever we have stories on our site about them, I feel like they, they go through the roof uh, metrics-wise because people just can't get enough of, of their Cyclones. And I, I just, you know, all that I think just plays into this, not necessarily David versus Goliath type matchup because, you know, they've beaten every single Big 12 team in his first four years there at one point or another, which is insane. Uh, and Notre Dame, you know, is, is probably notch below Oklahoma, somewhere between Oklahoma and Texas in that regard with recent program history. But uh, this is a tremendous opportunity for these guys to, to make one last statement um, and get back to eight wins. Long day at work, tough day at school, still stuck at the office? Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code SHAMROCK. That's $5 off your first order when you download the DoorDash app from the App Store and enter the promo code SHAMROCK. Don't forget that's promo code SHAMROCK for $5 off your first order from DoorDash. Why don't we uh, get into Notre Dame's offseason for at least sort of what this month is going to entail. And I think one of the um, one of the storylines that are already sort of come and gone is quarterback coach Tom Reese and potentially getting a look at Northwestern. Um, I think we both felt pretty strongly that the second Northwestern had an opening for a quarterback coach slash OC that Reese would get a call about that. Um, you reported that that's that position's been filled by uh, BC's old uh, OC quarterback coach, who had, obviously has a lot more experience than Reese, but is certainly not a uh, not as I don't know, maybe not as up and coming a name as, as I think Reese is going to be in the coaching community. What what are sort of your thoughts on on how that played out and just like I don't know the the move that Northwestern ultimately made? Yeah, it's a little surprising. I mean, I knew they were going to move fast because look, it's not like they have a bowl game to pre- prepare for yep. right now. They need to find a quarterback on the recruiting trail and and tie up a few loose ends in that department over the next two weeks. Uh, Mike Bajakian from Boston College, uh, who kind of comes from that Butch Jones tree of Central Michigan, Cincinnati, uh, Tennessee. Uh, he's their guy. He also held an offer, I was told, uh, from Rutgers that was basically a take it or leave it over the next 24 hours. I don't think that forced Pat Fitzgerald's hand in any way because I think he wanted to wrap things up by the next week. I know Tommy Reese, uh, old friend Mike Samford, and, and Kevin Johns uh, from Memphis were also among uh, those who got a look and Tommy interviewed on Friday. Um, and I, by all accounts, he did well. He impressed. Um, I mean, I think the guy loves Notre Dame and I don't think, you know, I don't think there's any remorse about likely coming back to Notre Dame for a fourth season. Cause he's having a great time there, but I am surprised. And I think a lot of people are surprised that, you know, for a program like Northwestern that has had so much continuity on its coaching staff for better and for worse. And obviously in the case of the offensive coordinator position for worse, um, I just felt they needed some younger, fresher blood who was going to come in and, and really get a chance to start from ground zero. Cause that's what that offense is at right now after a three and nine season. And just my opinion, if you're Northwestern um, and you have a chance to hire a guy like Tommy Reese, who is eventually going to be an offensive coordinator, either at the power five or NFL level sooner rather than later, I just think now's the time you have to hire him because 
I mean, look at Mike Kafka, the former Northwestern quarterback. I'm sure they would have loved to bring him back, but he's coaching Pat Mahomes right now, and I don't think there's any coming back from that to go to Evanston unless you get fired and the timing works out well. So uh, I was a little surprised they did not uh, go in Tommy Reese's direction, but uh, like he's only 25, 26, 27. He's young. I mean, he's going to have – He's going to be running his own offense very, very soon, and I, I think Notre Dame, you know, is definitely breathing a sigh of relief, both for a coaching standpoint and for a recruiting standpoint, because the, he's been a, a terrific guy on the road who has really, really developed some deep relationships with some very important prospects, both you know, in and outside the Goog, and um, those could have been in jeopardy if he left. Yeah, I mean, there's no look. When I went out to San Diego and spent time with Tyler Buckner, um, we talked a lot about Tom Reese. Um, the family talked a lot about Tom Reese. Buckner talk about Tom Reese. Uh, they, do they call him Tom like you do? Uh, you know, I feel like they, you know, it's coach. It was Coach Reese, which I, <laughs> that I, I cannot get myself to Coach Reese. Um, I, I, will, I will move from Tommy to Tom, but I'm not going to go to Coach. I'll, I I'll just, stick with Tommy, but go on. Okay, that's fine. I mean, maybe we, we can uh, sort of split the difference on that. I, I think he's done a really good job with recruiting. Um, I think if you talk to Ian Book or Ian Book's camp, they have a lot of really positive things to say about him. Um, you know, it would not surprise me if he ends up being Notre Dame's offensive coordinator in the next few years. I, I don't know if that would surprise you, but, you know, Chip Long's not going to be here forever. Um, I, you know, he certainly has designs on being a head coach at some point. So, you know, if, you're, if I'm Brian Kelly, I probably would go to Reese and be like, look, we want you to be the guy after, after Chip uh, whenever that happens. That that might be a good way to look at it if you're if you're Reese as well because it's especially this year with book coming back uh, most likely I I get the sense that uh, Reese and book are very close and one would one would like to come back for the other and vice versa so that it it makes it makes 2020 I think a a pretty good fit there for for both quarterback and quarterbacks coach I agree I, I do think it's pretty funny um to I mean, th- the guy's career arc from from playing to coaching Notre Dame is just unprecedented in so many different ways. And look, we did that story about a month ago on you know what's the real story or what's the actual deal behind second year quarterbacks with Brian Kelly? Are they actually regressing? Are they not? And I, I think you got from Charlie Fissinger and I got from Malik Zaire just some incredible behind the scenes anecdotes about how like this guy was you know a 21 year old basically running a PhD level of offense uh, compared to what everyone else was trying to understand. I mean, it was like a foreign language almost, uh, his his growing curve or acceleration, if you want to call it, compared to everyone else in that room. And, and even, you know, I, I, talking to people close to him throughout this process, I know there was a whole question of, well, he's never called plays before. Who wants to take a chance on a guy like that? And, I mean, as a senior in 2013, he had total control – at the line of scrimmage. I mean, he was, I mean, he wasn't the offense coordinator. Chuck Martin was, and Brian Kelly was probably the one calling the plays, but uh, that guy had a lot more freedom at the age of 21, 22 than I think anyone else did at that level. And I think eventually he's going to be a very good play caller for whomever he gets that opportunity to to coach for. Um, I do think it's funny. So often in sports, we see guys who are just legendary players and come back and try to do something different and it doesn't work. You know, Isaiah Thomas, uh, 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 Matt Millen, um, Derek Jeter, Doug Flutie, Audrey Denson. Um, <laughs> well, that too. Uh, and with Tommy, it's the complete opposite, right? I mean, I, I don't think you could, I hate to like reopen old wounds, but like, you, it's hard to remember like a guy getting booed by his own 
fans at a home stadium the way like Tommy Reese did. Like fans were just so harsh to him, so harsh, and he handled it so perfectly. Um, I, I was reminded of that this year when, when there was stuff with Ian Book silencing his own student section and his dad tweeting at reporters and you know talking to people who said, "Look, you don't think Tommy Reese and his family wanted to do the same thing?" But like that doesn't oh God, help. Yes, like, they did. This is this is like what we sign up for, for better or worse. This is part of the bargain of being the quarterback in Notre Dame and, and playing for under a spotlight of Notre Dame football. Like you just got to deal with it. And to see him turn around and you know he came back in seventeen, so four years after he last took a snap for the Irish. And I don't want to call him some beloved coach or coordinator because, I mean, the fans and the public don't get to see a whole lot of him uh, as a coach. But uh, from the stories with recruits to the stories in the quarterback room uh, to the stories with, you know, his fellow staff members, uh, it's very kind of funny and ironic how he went from this guy who, as a player, Notre Dame fans could not get rid of fast enough to a guy who was a coach. Uh, they, I don't want to say they can't afford to lose, but uh, they don't want to lose. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he's the reason that, I don't know, it's like one of the reasons that he was, I think, frustrating for a lot of fans as a player are the are the exact same reasons why he's awesome as a coach is that right. he thinks the game and can teach the game at like a PhD level, like you said, even if he can't throw the ball 65 yards on the run. Um, you know, that's, you know, he's got physical limitations, but mentally he's got, you know, there's no... There's no ceiling or roof there, uh, to to paraphrase Michael Jordan. Like it's he he has a Mensa level understanding of football. Um, you know, to do it as a play caller would be something different. Um, I think it would be interesting to have, you know, assuming that you know Chip Long and Tom Reese are both back on staff next year to sort of let Reese have a little bit more say or you know a little bit more of a collaborative situation there with your with your play caller i don't know if it'll work out that way but um i think that that would certainly benefit reese's career arc um you know i don't don't think there's a negative in it for chip long either so that would be that'd be sort of interesting dynamic if it if it shakes out that way for 2020 um you know i guess as far as notre dame's the rest of this month They've got their first bowl practices until Saturday. Um, Brian Kelly talked a little bit about how there'll be some youth development involved in that. Um, noted Kevin Austin is not available for the game as he is suspended for the entire season and the season continues. Um, but certainly he'll get more work. Um, noted that uh, he has not heard from any players about not playing in the game. Um, so you get the the Chase Claypool, Khalid Kareem, like we talked about already. Um, I don't know. Is there, is there any sort of internal dynamic with Notre Dame this month that is most interesting to you um, because this is kind of an older team that that yet will still return a lot next season um i don't know is it what what's sort of interesting about this month for you as far as, as it relates to notre dame it would have to be just the, if anything changes with the staff um yeah. obviously a close call just now with tommy reese i Unless someone else comes out of nowhere with a, a play calling job for him I, I would expect him to stay at this point um Defensively, I don't know. There, there could be some shakeups in the back end, and even offensively, still there could be some some movement coming. I just think it's still so early in the coaching cycle. I mean, I know a lot of people have filled their head coaching openings, but there's still a lot of dominoes to fall from an assistant standpoint. That uh, I think it's way too early. Where are we now? December 9th. Uh, way too early for anything to really shake out. And frankly, I wouldn't expect any mass changes to come. 
until after uh, the recruits are signed on December uh, 18th, because that's just the nature of the business. So uh, I, I, I'm not waiting on pins and needles for anything to drop just yet, but um, I mean, if we're talking about what to, to look out for between now and, and December 29th or whatever, 28th when they play, uh, I think that's the biggest thing to monitor right now is the coach situation. Cause you just, you also just don't see um, staff stay intact for the most part, the way this one has last couple of years, say for yep. Harry Brian East Kelly's Stand never had an Kyle. offensive coordinator for four years before. Right. And this would be the fourth year of chip long. I, I also think like, I think if you're chip long and Clark Lee, you're looking at the coaching landscape and thinking, all right, I would prefer to wait for a power five job. If I can't, I would, I'm, I'm not going to take a dregs group of five job app state Memphis. Those are, those are like two of the best group of five jobs. I think yes. we, we would They're agree both on ready that. to win um, now. And I mean, look, Jeff Scott at Clemson, right? The guy has been a, an offensive coordinator yeah. for five years. He's made the playoff five times. Um, I know he's interviewed for a few smaller jobs in the past, but this morning, uh, he, he, you know, he's going to take the, the South Florida job. And look, South Florida, uh, especially with his roots, his dad was assistant under Bobby Bowden at Florida State. That's better, I would say, than at least one-third Power 5 jobs because I just think you can win there. You have access to talent there. You have a lot of infrastructure and support. Um, and, and that's the kind of uh, group of five job that if you're at a blue blood like Notre Dame and you're having success as a coordinator, those are the ones you wait out for. And, and everyone we're talking about here is very young as well. Jeff Scott, Chip Long. Clark Lee, I know at least two of them are, are under 40. They have time to to be patient. Yeah, I think Jeff Scott is too. So uh, they don't need to rush. And Jeff Scott certainly didn't rush. Um, I don't know what more he could possibly do at Clemson, uh, whereas you know, Notre Dame still has the unfinished business of trying to win a national championship. But um, they they both are in good spots, I think, um, and can, if they play their cards right. Um will not be making any rash decisions and will eventually leave their own programs. Clark Lee, I feel a lot more certain saying that about than Chip Long, but I think both uh, have better days ahead of themselves. Weekends are made for football, and with so many college and pro games on the slate, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can make your weekend even better. Actually, now that I think about it, with all the hoops and hockey action going on, the DraftKings Sportsbook app can get you in on the action 24-7, 365 days a year. With so much going on this week, they have great promotions running every day. From odds boosts to free bets, DraftKings has it all. DraftKings Sportsbook is so easy to use. You can deposit, place your bets, withdraw in a matter of seconds. It's no wonder DraftKings Sportsbook is America's top-rated sportsbook app. Plus, DraftKings Sportsbook will give new users a free bet just for signing up. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app right now and use the code FAST when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a free bet on sign-up. Plus, when you make your first bet, you can get a risk-free bet up to $500. Don't forget, sign up with the code FAST to place your first bet, and you can get a risk-free bet up to $500 only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Indiana-only, restrictions apply. See site for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Yeah, it's like there are worse things to do in the world than be making, I'm going to say seven figures uh, estimated for both working at Notre Dame being a coordinator. Um, you know, that's not that's not a job that I would rush to leave to do something else. Um, like I, I wouldn't leave that job to go coach at Connecticut um, the, way, <laughs> the way Bob Diaco did. I, I understand Chuck Martin going to Miami, Ohio. I think that program has, you know, a, a little bit more of a, 
That's Mac Champion Chuck Martin. Mac Champion TV. Chuck Martin, mind you. I mean, that program has a little bit more of an infrastructure and a backbone than Connecticut ever did or probably ever will. Um, uh, and, I don't know if they had it when he got there. He did a lot of fundraising those first few years, and they've got some pretty nice buildings there by yeah, Mac standards. I guess now. We, we could I mean, get our, our friend Andrew Hendricks on the pod to talk about it. <laughs> it's just like it's a program that know, that that at least has some history of winning and doing doing things the right way. Um, App State has that. Memphis has that over the last six or seven years. It certainly didn't before then. Um, I just feel like those are jobs, USF, UCF, uh, Boise. Um, you know, I think Nevada has some good structure s- stuff happening there. Um, you know, the, there aren't a lot of great group of five jobs, but I just think that the two there are two open now that if I was Clark Lee and Chip Long, and they called me or my agent, I would be like, yeah, you know what? Even if I, I don't want to leave Notre Dame, I would at least have the conversation so I can get through the interview process and sort of understand what that's all about. Um, you know, Boston College, I guess, would probably be a bridge too far for Clark Lee. I don't understand why he would make that kind of move. But again, it's if I'm, a, if I'm either of those guys, I am welcoming pretty much every interview for a legitimate like the best group of five jobs and and sort of a mid-level power five jobs to sort of get my interview house in order so i know like here's what i got to sell here's how i got to sell it this is how i got to present myself um i think there's something to be said for practicing interview process so when you so when the job you really really want comes along it's not the first time you sat down and tried to map out okay here's how i'd run a program yeah i i i I have a slight disagreement when it comes to boston college just because i think uh as recently historically inept as they have been i mean that's still a power five job in a league where you really only have one giant and everyone else is playing for second so to speak um they have tradition they've put in a little bit more money into that program and you know martin jarman their athletic director is the state of gold becoming a top 25 team which i don't think is unreasonable if you get the right coach there and i I don't know if clark lee is on their radar is going to get a chance there but i think that would be a job that uh, would be very hard to say no to mm. as a first-time head coach, as difficult as may be. But, I mean, when you're Clark Lee and you have a Vanderbilt education, you've coached at UCLA, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, I mean, I think when you talk about fit and recruiting the right kind of guys to that program, uh, I think he would be the right guy there. Um, App State's interesting, and it's funny you say that because – I like Eli Drakewitz. He's done a really good job this year. I think he did a great job at NC State. That looks even better in retrospect when you see how poor they were this year without him. Uh, but, you know, when that job opened last year, when Scott Satterfield left, uh, the talk was whoever gets this job is going to do really good, whether they're a good coach or not, because there's just so much talent here. And it took Eli Drakewitz one year to go from that to an SEC head coaching job. So I do think when you walk into ready-made situations like that one, uh, you, if you play your cards right, you could turn that into something bigger um, if everything works out and aligns the rest of the country for you. So uh, th- those would both be jobs, I think, that if they came calling for either of them, they would have to take good, long, hard looks at. Um, our excellent producer, John Hayes, just directed me toward a stat on Twitter right now from uh, Notre Dame graduate Tim Beret, the, the biggest numbers guru in the business it says how lands- landscape of college football has changed for notre dame in the last 25 years in 1994 a 6-4-1 notre dame team played 11-1 in number four colorado in the fiesta bowl 
In 2019, 10-2 and, and number 15, Notre Dame plays 7-5 and five Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. No kidding, Tim. <laughs> it has changed. Yeah, I, and I think that Notre Dame would agree. Colorado was number four. That's yeah, what Notre I was Dame would think there. for the worst, but I think college football in general probably for the better on that. Uh, um, yes. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and I think maybe sort of way we can wrap up on this is I I do hope that Notre Dame fans sort of understand the dynamics that were in play this year. Not and it's you know the Michigan game had a lot to do with it, but also the fact that like. In the first five years of the playoff, I believe that there are five teams total that went ten and two or eleven and two, and did not make a New Year's Six bowl. This year, there were four of them on their own, uh, and yeah. you know it was Alabama, Notre Dame, Utah, and Minnesota. This was this was just like sort of a, a bad year for that. Um, there were too many ten and two teams, and there was only two at large spots: uh, one in the Cotton and one in the orange and the orange one was very difficult for Notre Dame to make based on the the contractual obligations they had to meet it was just a bad year for this um it's not great I mean I I, I get it like it's it's a price of being an independent though I mean you win some you lose some right no it's like last because the reaction that I've seen is like they should join the ACC it was like well nobody said that last year nobody said they should have been in the ACC when they would have run into Clemson in the ACC championship game and not made the playoff at all. Like I would rather make the playoff once every three years than lose to Clemson three straight years in the ACC title game. Like I, I don't even understand I the say. argument against that. I mean, if you're if you're a Virginia, maybe like there's there's you know you're coming from the other side of the tracks. There's some pride in your conference and in building a program. I know the year, the years and the eras are different, but you're Notre Dame. Like you're still your stated goal is to is graduating champions, is to play for and eventually win a national championship. Uh, there are a lot of trophies in the Goog that say they've done that in the past, and that's always going to be the goal there, and that's never going to change no matter how they have to go about it. Yeah, I agree. I mean, look, I, I, I totally understand why the ACC is like, CEC, you should you should join the league. Like, that's you should be part of the ACC in full. But, like, it just doesn't make any sense to give up a more than century-long tradition of being independent for the sake of making the Orange Bowl once every few years. <laughs> like, when you say it out loud, hopefully it sounds as stupid as it actually is. It sounds very stupid when you say it okay. out loud. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know what doesn't sound stupid? Dan Kelly, uh, devoted listener, saying on Twitter that we should camp out the night before the bowl game. <laughs> uh, and you're you, suggesting like, Disney. And then Peter Dubin, at PG Dubin, on Twitter just added me. Uh, retweeting uh, our friend Barrett Salee at CBS Sports, uh, promoting his wife's Disney planning Facebook page uh, from a month ago. It says, are you planning a trip to Disney World, Disneyland, or Disney Cruise? Let my wife plan it for you. You can't go in without a plan from a pro. Check out her Disney planning Facebook page. Uh, You're a father of two, older than my one. I assume you've done this trip before with them? Uh, Two years ago. We did it, um, and then we will be doing it this year again. My kids aren't Sloan and Tate are not aware of their travel plans yet. Um, I think we're gonna. They don't listen, or are you surprised? They're not. They're not big Shamrock listeners. Um, I think they. I know they. I know this for a fact. They would like to be guests, um, and they. Let's do it. They believe that there is a untapped market out there that there's no Notre Dame football podcast for kids. And so I think at some point in this month we should have them on. Uh, maybe maybe an on-site Shamrock um, in Orlando, 
Sloan and Tate could I'm pop very, on. I'm very afraid of getting Wally pipped by your Yeah, no, it's they're they're pretty entertaining kids, so we can we can uh, we can work something we'll, out. We'll, we'll clean it up a bit. A bit. You dropped a, an S bomb a few weeks ago, and a mutual friend of ours was driving in the car with his two little ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm up. so sorry. I, I promised him we would we would uh, stop with that. Well, the last the last we did record um, sort of a test a dry run of the Notre Dame podcast for kids, and uh, last January at my kitchen table, and uh, Tate accused Notre Dame players of. Um, I think he confused Clemson and Notre Dame about who was using Ostratine and who wasn't. Um, <laughs> your so, kid already knows about Ostratine. What else? Do you have like a gym in your a, basement well, you just put him to? Yeah, it was more of a. It was like something they used, something bad, and they got suspended. They cheated. Like he's big into like the the fairness of rules. Um, Good. And if you cheat, like you're basically dead to him. That actually happened to a kid at a school um, where he just dropped them entirely. Never never spoke to him again after. A cheating wow. of a race on the playground. So. Don't, don't tell him about 2012 and 13. Yeah, exactly. I don't think I don't think Anderson's like. Did, wouldn't you want help when you're doing your your assignments? I don't get it. Um, yeah, so the, the, we can work Sloan and Tate into the show. I don't know if your your child has a lot to offer quite yet uh, for the. She podcast. said Dada for the first time two weeks ago. So we're Dabo? Did you said Dabo for the first no, time. Da, no. <laughs> Dada. Oh, Dada. Okay. Okay. That I mean, that, there there could be something involved there. Maybe maybe we can wait a year on uh, on her joining the show. But uh, we will be back later this week. Um, we will have a guest who's an adult, I think, uh, if everything goes according to plan. <laughs> That's and, one way uh, to put it. Yes, yes. I will. We're going to leave you uh, with a with a little bit of mystery about who that guest will be. Although when the podcast drops, I guarantee that a large section of our fan base is going to be like, "Are you serious?" Um, they're they're familiar with him. Oh yeah, me, they're familiar that with him. Um, I think that from I think this you season. will enjoy the conversation uh, if we can make it happen. Um, you know, it will certainly tie into some of this ACC talk of today. So, uh, do we want to tease that anymore, or is that uh, all the clues that we want to give? Um, I, th- I think we'll leave it at that. Okay. All right. Well, on that note, you've been listening to this week's free episode of the Shamrock. You can rate, review, subscribe. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate all your reviews. You know, five stars great, but uh, we'll, we'll take whatever stars you're willing to offer. Um, and we will be back later in the week with uh, a special mystery guest for our next episode of The Shamrock. Hey, Hall of Fame guest. There's Hall my Hall of head. Fame guest. Okay, may, might be giving it away. Um, <laughs> although I think that it, I don't think that clears up who it might be uh, among a guest that Notre Dame fans might Love if you hate. follow him on any social media platform, you're well aware. Okay, that, that might be a telltale clue of what we're going to have. So until our bonus episode later this week with our mystery guest, I'm Pete Sampson. He's Matt Fortuna. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of The Shamrock. <laughs>